Welcome to the Beautiful and True Project podcast. This is a place where we talk about beauty and truth, the things that are most important to us, the things that ground us, and the things that uplift us. My guest this week is Jessie Dyer, a small town girl with a big world outlook and possibly the person I am most comfortable with on the entire planet. Today, we're talking about growing into a deeper understanding of love, the movies that make us cry, and the secret to finding the perfect pair of jeans. So hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be talking to you. Gosh, I've known you for how long? Is it? Oh, it's probably more than 20 years. It's point. definitely more than 20. It's like 22. Uh-huh. But it's a long time. It's a very, it is a long time. <laughs> We're getting so, old. I I wasn't going to say it, but we are. I mean, essentially, we are uh, middle-aged now. I know. I, 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 I don't it's accept weird. that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't Not accept it? Nope. Because that whole thing about look, looking around for adults is very real to me. I'm always looking around for more adultier adults because it Except surely can't be me. Right. How on earth could it possibly be me? I don't know what I'm right. doing. <laughs> exactly. But I just oh, like, no nobody ever about. knows what they're doing? Okay. Right. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Well, when I met you, uh, I was... A had just started my junior year of college, and you were coming in as a freshman, yeah. and um, that was fun times. We were both theater majors. Mm-hmm. Lived on the same floor in our dormitory. That's right. I'd forgotten that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the reason I'm talking to you is because I know you and have known you from literally the beginning of our relationship as somebody who's really interested in things that are beautiful. And that manifested for me most clearly in college because you were so interested in costuming and color and you were more interested in it than anybody I'd ever met to date. You were always playing with colors and usually the brighter the better. (laughs) Any time that I have wanted to change up my style, you are the first person I contact. And you always ask me these questions about, well, what's, what's the kind of person you feel like you are, that you want to be? And then you will pull, you'll pull an entire palette and some images and send them all to me. And then we have this discussion. It's almost like you are costuming my life. Right. I, ideally, I would be costuming everyone's life. In my, I mean, I at least do it in my head anyway. Okay, but I've been ta- I want you to tell me about this. What What is that? What is it that is so appealing to you in that? What do you love about it? Uh, I think that one of the things that appeals to me is um, using um, your outward appearance as um, an expression of your inward, inward self. Um, you know, I, I find, I, I hate to use the word fashion because that always feels like it has a big F and a lot of dollar signs and whatever behind it. But um, and 
and having body image stuff and exactly yeah I don't like any of that there's a lot of baggage um, yes I think you're you're totally right the word fashion has a lot of baggage of wastefulness of um, damaging body image um, for for young girls for generations um, but using your fashion to express who you are to the rest of the world is really what clothes are or everybody would just wear whatever was most comfortable 100% of the time, um, which some people do. And I find that a great expression as well. Um, but what that's what you're doing is you're telling the world what to expect of you before they get to know you or talk to you. So I am interested in that because I am a great lover of the visual arts. It's one of my key things. Um, that brings me joy and visual art to me is lots of different things um but to me people's clothing and what they look like their hair their makeup whatever um or lack thereof is a very accessible version of that to me so as you're talking about this i was thinking about kind of about my other job and about Mm -hmm. marketing and branding And then I was thinking about Instagram influencers Mm -hmm. and how the personal brand is such a huge thing right now. And I don't think Mm -hmm. you're quite talking about that. No. I mean, curated, curated, yes. But there's, I don't know, can you articulate for me the difference I'm failing to express? Well, sure. You know, if you think of it, we are all branding ourselves every day. Because Mm -hmm. branding is just a new big hot word for choices. (laughs) You are making choices to indicate what kind of person you are. And how you want the world to perceive you. Right. So if you, um, you know, if you're using branding as far as the social media context, you know, you you choose certain colors, you choose certain shapes or imagery. Um, to help people understand that they're in the right place if this image appeals to you. Mm-hmm. That is literally all you are doing when you put clothes on or you do your hair or you do your makeup or you um, wash your face or any of that to an extent is this is my brand. You know, again, branding is a hot word, but that's what we've all been doing since whoever ground up the first herb and applied it to their face a bajillion years ago, aka a long time ago. There are definitely people who dress to repel. Um, I think that that has different um, looks throughout time. Mm -hmm. Um, But identification with a group is essentially all we are doing. We're either reacting to it by identifying with it or against it. So what would you say, because I wonder if people as they're choosing, as they're choosing outfits or their personal style are mm-hmm. thinking like this, or if they're just saying, this is what I like. I like this. I think here it is world. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think generally speaking, you're exactly right. Most people are thinking, I like this. I want to wear this. Um, I can afford this and I like it. <laughs> Both mm-hmm. your taste and my taste. Mm-hmm. would be quite different if we had infinite money. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I think that 
what is available to us at a price that we're willing to pay that we enjoy sets most people's sense of style rather than I am crafting intentionally my look. Um, however, which is, which is where we we differ from like actual intentional branding and marketing. Right, right. But in so much as, you know, there are certain things. So, you know, if you go into a store and there are two things um, there that are in your price range that fit you appropriately, and let's say one of them is um, zebra stripes with orange buttons, and the other thing is like soft and blue and might have a an interesting monochromatic pattern. One of those things is going to not appeal to you, and one of those things is going to appeal to you. Maybe they both appeal to you, but either way, you are making that choice based on who you think you are. Mm -hmm. And by saying, okay, the zebra stripe with the orange buttons is not my style. So, therefore, I don't like it and I don't want it. It's the same sort of thing. You're, that's your brand. You know what your brand is inherently by what you do and don't like. You don't pick up every single top in your size and try it on. You pick up certain ones that you like, that appeal to you. Although I have been shopping with people who have picked up every single shirt in their size and tried it on. That would be, that would be hard. I would immediately, <laughs> I, I think that you, you already kind of probably know how I would react to that. I would be like, okay, wait a second. What stop, stop, are stop. you doing? <laughs> if you, I, I do think there, there are people that, that do not care do not, that's probably not the right word, that they don't, um, they don't have a strong dislike or a strong like towards clothes in general or patterns or colors or anything like that, um, that really just go, I just want to find the shirt that I'm comfortable in and that is a good price and doesn't look horrible on me. I don't know a lot of those people. <laughs> I think most humans have an inherent like dislike of certain things, whether it be colors or patterns or shapes of clothing and whatnot. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe you do. It sounds like the person who picked up all the shirts in their size is that one of those people. I'm certainly not one of those people. I like, like to do targeted shopping. I have a need. I'm going to go for the need. I'm going to get the need. I'm going to go home. <laughs> right. Right. So what do you personally find beautiful in in clothing like what is I was going to say what is your style if you had infinite money and infinite time what what would you be wearing <laughs> um gosh you know it's very hard for me to answer that um believe it or not I think um because I do hold comfort and fit pretty high up on my list Mm -hmm. um, honestly, if I, you know, if I had all the money in the world and what I would probably do in that case is hire a personal shopper, someone to bring me things because the experience of going into a store and finding things and trying them on um, is 0, 0.00 fun for almost everyone, I would think. Um, hmm. That experience is 
not designed to let you experience the item of clothing, in my opinion, in most cases. Now, of course, I'm going to put the caveat out there. I'm not shopping in extremely high-end experiences. So <laughs> if, if you are listening to this and you get to shop in those experiences and I am wrong, then then that is probably part of where the money for those clothing items is being spent, is investing in making that experience of trying on an item and experiencing it in a number of ways to decide if it's right for you, a better experience. So as far as, you know, if I had all the money in the world and I could have someone, uh, you know, on a, the quest is always, you know, I need to find the perfect pair of jeans. Right. Everyone the perfect, wants the perfect pair of jeans. Jeans. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. The perfect pair of jeans. I want that pair of jeans to fit me perfectly and to never let me down. And literally, I don't know that I have ever found those, by the way. So maybe. I am. Okay. Um, yeah. But can I, I I'm going to interrupt for a second because mm-hmm. I know what the secret is. And is I, do, I read jeans? it someplace. And no, it's not about not wearing jeans. I read about <laughs> this and then I confirmed it with a professional seamstress that I know who actually works for certain celebrities. What they do is they go in and they find a pair of jeans that fits part of them perfectly. And it's usually their Mm -hmm. largest part. Right. And it fits that perfectly. And then exactly. Uh And you have it tailored, everything else tailored to fit you exactly. So of course they're the best, most comfortable thing you've ever worn and make everything look amazing because you've had it professionally done. Right. Like, oh, that's cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I'm totally familiar with this. I remember I used to be a a sewer, a a sewer. So no, I'm completely familiar with that. I'm five seven and of average build. I should be able to find a pair of jeans in the world that. They may not be perfect, but they're real darn close, right? How's that working out? I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, what's interesting, like we're going to talk about jeans for a minute, is how much the industry has changed the way they do um, dimensions in just the past 10 years that I have noticed where um, they're almost all of your sort of major – midline, middle-of-the-way kind of um, places have your curvy style and your maybe they call it maybe a boyfriend style or a straight style um, for your gals like me who don't have much of a a rear or hips or anything. Um, You know, you have petite, you have short length, you have long length. Those things um, have really um, come to the more mainstream stores really in the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really good step in the right direction. Now, I still, I, I, I don't disagree with you. If I wanted perfect fitting jeans, they'd probably be tailored in some way. But ain't nobody got time for that either. Okay. So if you had a personal shopper, you would mm-hmm. immediately send them out to get you the perfect pair of jeans. I like jeans. A lot of people are giving jeans a, a bad name a lot because so many people are wearing leggings as um, day wear and mm-hmm. athleisure. Um, athleisure wear is so popular right now. And I, I have great legs. I don't hate wearing leggings because I have bad legs. I 
don't feel like I'm wearing pants when I have leggings on. I very rarely wear them, like, in public. So it's Other than, like, literally a modesty thing. <laughs> <laughs> that seems unlikely. I didn't... Right. That doesn't feel right. I don't know. That's one of the things that um, I can feel in my personal brand. I am not sporty spice. I am not athletic per se. I'm not not athletic. However, I do, that is not who I would portray in society is someone who, oh, I just got off the tennis courts or finished my yoga class. So I'm still in my leggings and sports bra excuse my parents, like, no, that's not who I am. I can say that um, while I do yoga and I enjoy walking and whatnot <laughs> comfortably, um, that's not a group that I particularly choose to identify with. And you don't need the world to see you as athletic? Nope, not at all. Not not at all. Okay, so you'd wear jeans. <laughs> what kind of shoes would go with the jeans? I, I'm just, we are kind of a, a field from beauty and truth a little bit, but not really because sure, we're talking about building sure. an authentic representation of, of your personality. Um, yes, a, 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 an authentic representation that is beautiful because I know you, you'll want it to look good and to feel good mm-hmm. um, and have it be a, a, a good sensory experience, which is what mm-hmm. beauty really is, is about usually. Um, but also an authentic indicator of who you are, which is true. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm going to keep rolling with this. What yeah, kind of shoe great. do you have? Um, you know, I feel like a good shoe is comfortable and attractive. And yes, from there, it's really wide open. Personally, I prefer flats nowadays. I have a bunch of wedges, and sometimes I like them, but not usually for a terribly long period of time. Um, so you're not going for a power look with some heels and the jeans? No, 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 not anymore. I'm I'm middle-aged. I don't know if I've mentioned to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't walk around in three-inch heels. If I have three-inch heels on, there's a special occasion going on and a time limit in place. I can wear them if I know I, when I can take them off. Um, and really a four-hour, there's like a four-hour limit It's for me personally. Um, part of it is, you know, it hurts my feet. That's the mm-hmm. biggest part, actually. Generally speaking, they hurt my feet. I know probably if I was spending like $1,000 on shoes and beautiful insoles that tickled my feet with the wings of fairies, maybe it wouldn't hurt, but that's not where I'm at. I did buy one pair of wedges that were a little more expensive and mm-hmm. they are comfortable. I can, yeah, that makes a difference. I can be in them for a long period of time for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So and there is I can probably count on both hands in the 20 plus years that I've known you that I've seen you wearing heels. So that's really something. <laughs> but you I do like, well, you actually love shoes. You love shoes. I do. You freaking love shoes. Everyone, Jen talks, loves shoes. Do not let her tell you otherwise. The woman loves shoes. She likes a strappy sandal, possibly an espadrille. She freaking loves it. How many pair of those do you have or covet on the regular? Uh, I I own one pair because they were my expensive pair. I know. I've had them them for years. I was there. 
because they're the only ones I have. <laughs> but I've got my kicky boots that have they have mm-hmm. a nice heel, and they go yeah. click 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 when I walk, and they have a little fringy zipper. Um, and most no, of the have, description of the shoe of the boot is about the sound it makes, and not about how it looks. Well, it's also about how it looks, but I really like the sound mm-hmm. it makes. That was totally secondary to the description. I just want you to know that. Just I know. pointing that out. I, I'm, I'm aware. Uh, and I, I think it's funny that you just called me out on this because I do. I do really love shoes, and I don't let myself indulge in it almost ever. Right. The kind that I want are expensive. Yes, yes, they are. And if I can't well, have what I want, then I'll just, it'll be fine, whatever. <laughs> Give me some clogs, it's fine. Right, right. I, um, I'm okay with that reasoning. Absolutely. But it's not beautiful or true. It's just, it's kind of giving up. <laughs> meh. Which is the opposite. It's meh, right. which is the exact meh. opposite of beautiful and true. Exactly. exactly. So, dear listeners, you've found something out about me. <laughs> right. Thanks, Jesse. You know, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> oh, okay. I would, like I said, I could stay on this forever, but I have other questions for you. Yes, please. What is something that you find just amazingly beautiful that will just stop you in your tracks every time? Uh, this is hard for me because I find beauty in a lot of things. Um, I, I would probably say nature in general it's a very big generality but um whether that be a beautiful flower um or a sunset or reflection on the water whatever i love love to um to just appreciate the beauty in nature mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. nearly universal from People I've talked to from books I've read, the experience mm-hmm. of beauty in nature is something that is basically in our bones, in our DNA. I completely agree with that. I, I think that, um, you know, the true test of how damaged someone is, is how they are able to relate to nature, um, even if they're just looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I would probably add to to that is, um, and I, I think a lot of parents feel this way, um, I think my kid is really, really beautiful, as I've probably said in, in the past. <laughs> and, you know, I think his uh, super long eyelashes and floppy curly hair are so pretty. And I just look at them. I really do just enjoy looking at my kid. And that is a beauty thing that is a, an awe thing to me. Um, like, oh, I made, I helped make that. I mean, I, I made it, and it looks like that. And um, obviously, his looks are not the only thing that's important to me. But no, but we're talking about beauty. beauty right now. Right, he's just really pretty. It is kind of ridiculous how pretty your son is. Right. I, I hope that he uses his powers for good. Well, you know who you can help teach him to use his powers for good. That's what I'm working for. <laughs> We're going to come back to this because this is he. I, mm-hmm. He's in the picture that you sent me. So going back to when when I knew you in college, we were both 
huge, huge, huge romantics. <laughs> yes. Um, in very different ways. Yours was a much earthier way. But we were we were both, I think both of us really strongly believed in the storybook fairy tale happy ending and that love is beautiful and true and will answer everything and solve everything. Do you think that's true? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Accurate. I think you're right. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, but I, don't, I also don't think that that's unusual. I think that that's kind of the foundation of what part of um part of our foundation and brainwashing but yeah i don't i don't intend to mock it i just know for both of mm-hmm. us part sure. of our growth has been growing out of that i know that i have had my own disappointments in that regard mhm yeah um you know i think that i think that most people, I would like to say, go through their romantic life learning about truth of what love means to them. Mm-hmm. And that they are experiencing um, either reinforcements or of of whatever myths they may have, um, or they are experiencing much like I think we're sort of talking about a little bit um, the realization that the the big love with the with the hearts and the stars is going to look different than we thought. I used to call it stars and rockets. Stars and rockets. Okay. Yeah. I think there are some people that get stars and rockets but it still looks different to them than they probably thought it would because as you get older and you go through different relationships and you learn both about yourself and um, your partner, whoever you're with, um, you take, take that away and you understand what you need um, more or more thoroughly and understand um, means in which to get those needs met that may or may not involve being in love with a capital L. I was actually thinking about the metaphor of stars and rockets mm-hmm. just now. Stars are distant mm-hmm. and rockets are explosive. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're, when you are young, that's what love feels like. Yeah. I don't know. Now I'm not interested in either distance or explosive. Right. right. Sure. <laughs> Something kind of close we... by that has a slow burn and be all right. You know what? Exactly. I don't know. Do you know anybody who's married to their, like, high school sweetheart? Oh, good question. Um, I know people who are married to their to people they knew in high school mm-hmm. but weren't dating in high school. And they sure. met in college or slightly after. And they're, mm-hmm. they're married. Do I know anybody mm-hmm. who married their high school sweetheart? I, so I know one couple that for sure from my high school married in their 20s, still married, have two children. One is like, I think he graduated high school. 
and <clears throat> without disclosing anything about them. Um, they're also one of those like, of course, this is all Facebook appearances because I haven't, um, I don't think I've seen them face to face in several years since I've moved here. Um, they are super happy and um, have common interests and work together. And um, it's clear to me that they have grown in the same direction over the past, what, they've probably been together 25 years because I think they started dating in middle school. Ooh. Yeah. And they're like... And yeah, they just grow in the same direction and intertwine like two trees mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and get stronger mm -hmm. and better. Um, you know, and she's a she's a doctor. So, you know, they went through and, yeah, and that's not either of them. No. And yeah, they went through a lot. They um, um, he's had some health issues. You know, these these are not people who have lived a charmed life. Um in a small town. That's not who these people are, even though that could very well be this, this story because I'm from a very small town. But, but anyway, it's, it's really interesting to me because I, I, generally speaking, I would say, again, making a huge generalization, but that's a really hard task to, to marry your high school sweetheart and continue to grow in the same direction and want to be with that person and not give up and not, um, not ever look back and say, I have wasted my life with this person. And not get bored. I think, I, oh, right. Jeez Louise, what in the heck do you guys talk about? Um, but they must. They, they, I'm sure they do, you know. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think it's um, a part of who we are as people, generally speaking, to grow and to change as you, as you get older. And mm -hmm. it's very difficult to not understand that and not and then also not understand that love is a part of that. Um, people are different and people need different things and people expect different things and um, it's it's not always going to be easy to go in the same direction. Mm -hmm. um, accepting that you know there's going to be challenges and those things need to be met together and figured out and worked on. I think people think that being in love and being married is easy and it's not. <laughs> um, I think I've always I'm thought sure. that being in love would sort out all the problems. Oh, no, no, I don't think and so. And it has sorted out pretty much exactly none of them. <laughs> right. No, nope. Nope, nope. I think one of the best things to think about is, you know, you don't have to be everything to your partner. Um, understanding that that whenever that myth came around, I, I had listened to um, a podcast on NPR about um, marriage and how it has changed through the through the last really hundred years. Mm -hmm. um, and and understand that there was a shift at some point where when you got married, you, and this is our generation, you were expected to um, now be a, be a whole, whole person, you know, you complete me, that whole thing. And we bought it. We really loved that thing. 
And we thought that when we were in love and partnered up that um, we would be whole and we would be healed and we would never feel like anything was wrong. It was all, it should all be perfect. And I have this person who can, I can count on 100% of the time to fill my emotional, physical, all of those needs. And that is not realistic. Um, no. You know, it's, it's simply, <laughs> if you feel that way, you need to think about how much pressure you would put on someone that you care about. Um, and I think that's something that we learn slowly throughout time. Uh, I guess the biggest thing that I have probably learned, but I, so I find this a truth, that um, you can still be in love and you can still love your partner and you can still um, share responsibility of your feeling whole with other people other than that partner to take that pressure off of them and expect them to do the same. And, and it's a truth that none of, none of that means that there's anything wrong with you. Um, that is something that I think, you know, has taken me a long time to figure out. Hmm. I've got two more questions for you, and then I'm going to let you go. I want you to tell me about a book or movie that makes you cry every time. Somebody asked me this recently, and I was like, oh, I don't think there are any. And then all of a sudden, I could name 10. <laughs> okay. Um, lately, some of the um, Marvel movies are making me cry because the strong women figures in them make me sob with something close to joy mm. because they, the sort of excitement I feel for the young girls who will grow up never seeing anything else other mm -hmm. than these women doing these strong things. I mean, I just have to tell you, Captain Marvel tore me up. I just bawled and bawled and bawled because I was so happy <laughs> that this movie exists now. And mm -hmm. conversely, I'm also like when I watched Wonder Woman in the theater, I found myself, I just cried and cried and cried. And I just thought how wonderful it is that this movie exists and that um, little girls can put swords in the backs of their clothes and um, walk around like this and also how upset I also was that it has taken this long for this to happen. I'm crying at completely weird and inappropriate times during those movies when I see strong female and also, oh my gosh, Black Panther, shut up. The tears in that, I just bawled. You have an army of strong, beautiful Black women, just tears. Like as they're kicking ass and taking names, I'm crying because it's wonderful. You are definitely not alone in the immense response from women of about our age and slightly older to Wonder Woman mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. astonishing. Yeah. And quite frankly, I found um, Black Panther even better. You know, the sister is a scientist and, you know, the captain and the army 
all women. That's right. We're who you call. <laughs> I just, I, I loved it. Um, Harry Potter makes me cry. That's, that's one of my answers. Harry mm-hmm. Potter and the prisoner of Azkaban in the movie where he gets to ride on the hippogriff for the first time on Buckbeak and uh-huh. Buckbeak takes off and they're going and the music just has this oh, the music intense, and... joyful <laughs> swell. And it, he, he's uh-huh. going over the Hogwarts and then over the lake and the, and Buckbeak dips his claw in the, mm, in the yeah, water. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and then Harry Potter goes, Whoa! Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> just weeping, just weeping every time. You know, um, that, I mean, Harry Potter is so multi-layered to me because at the time I was reading it, it was a real um, interesting part of my life, I guess. And so when I was seeing those movies and the people I was viewing them with, um, also, like, I've I usually cry up during the, um, like when the Warner Brother symbol comes on and, you know, it's always different atmospheric depending on what year. I usually get a little, I start there um, and then it, it ebbs and flows from there. Yes. Tell mm-hmm. me about the picture you sent me. Sure. And first, tell me what's in it, what it looks like, uh-huh. and then tell me why you sent it to me. Sure. So um, when you requested a picture of something that was both beautiful and true, I pretty much knew exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, I wanted it to be a picture of my son, um, either asleep or with his eyes almost closed. Mm -hmm. Um, The composition, I was just sitting next to him on the couch, and he was playing a game on his iPad because he is almost six, and that is what he does. Um, I just, it was like, I looked over and I was like, yeah, like that. And so I think I took three pictures. And, um, so what we're seeing is, uh, from about a foot above a five and a half year old looking onto the left side of his face, focused on his little eyelashes, his little mm-hmm. cheek there. He's got a couple of freckles from the summer. Um, he has, you know, floppy curls. He's got a big hair, head of hair. Um, he's still wearing his pajamas, and it was probably like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but c'est la vie quarantine. Um, and um, I said it in black and white because I just felt like that way you could focus on um, his adorable little face and his long lashes um, rather than his um, monster jammies. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about how pretty and how beautiful sure. you think he is. Right. And I mean, look at those eyelashes. My God. Right. Visually, what? he is very pretty. <laughs> yes. But what makes him both, be- what makes that image feel very authentic to me as far as summarizing sort of beauty and truth is that um, for me, at least, um, I don't honestly think and this, again, is my experience only, but I don't know that I knew what it was to really love a person until I had that kid. Hmm. Um, I don't, I'm one of those weirdos, and I hope that 
other people can identify with this because it's not something I really talk about a lot. I don't miss people very often. I just generally, that's kind of how I, I have always been. Um, whatever happened to me, I don't even know what it was. But um, it's hard for me to miss somebody. I miss him when I don't see him. Mm. Um, I It is easy for me to put him first, even when that decision is hard. So he has, just by existing, he's not doing anything special. And yes, he's super cute, but that doesn't, I, whatever. By existing, he has taught me what it means to truly love someone. Mm. And that's beautiful and true. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't get any better than that. <laughs> and I'm very moved right now, actually. Uh-huh. Well, Miss Fang, thank you. Thank this you. Is, this is a, all the conversations I've had have been so far have been very different and equally mm-hmm. wonderful and this is this was wonderful thank oh. you for taking the time to do it i know that's oh, not always easy if you're a mom in the middle of quarantine <laughs> but maybe i gave you an opportunity to sneak away for a couple of hours that's right hallelujah <laughs> hallelujah i want to thank jesse so much for joining me in this conversation It's not easy for a mom in quarantine to carve out any alone time, so I'm extra grateful. Something that didn't make it into the final edit. Jessie's first dog was a sweet and gangly greyhound named Lily, adopted through Greyhound Pets of America, an organization that finds good homes for retired racing dogs. Jessie is a proud supporter and invites you to take a look for yourself at greyhoundpets.org. As always, thank you for listening, and if you like what you hear, find us on iTunes and subscribe. Search for The Beautiful and True Project. I hope that listening inspires you to focus on the beautiful and true in your own life. We'll talk again next Sunday. Have a great week.